Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. The Washington Report. Money FM 89.3, it is drive time. Elliot Danka, Timothy Gonchuan, Tian with you. It's time now to take a look at headlines out of the United States. And of course, former U.S. President Donald Trump in the spotlight again every week he is. <laughs> this time around, his attorneys have spent much of the weekend attempting to discredit his latest federal indictment and attacking the people involved in it. Yeah, so this comes days after being arraigned on four federal charges related to his alleged conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. (laughs) We're already... 2024, the next election cycle is upon us, and we're still talking about the 2020 election, unfortunately. Anyway, Trump took to uh, Truth Social to criticize Judge Tanya Chutkin, who will be overseeing this case, saying that he does not think he will get a fair trial. All right. Let's discuss that with uh, Trisha Craig, who is Vice President, Engagement and Senior Lecturer of Social Sciences, Sociology and Political Science at Yale and U.S. College. Trisha, good Monday afternoon to you. How are you? I'm great. Hope you guys are doing well, too. Well, uh, nothing like a bit of Donald Trump to get the week <laughs> going. Uh, he's looking for a new judge. <laughs> okay, yep. before we get to that issue, let's talk a little bit about his legal schedule. It seems to be getting fuller by the day. Your thoughts on what else we can expect on this front? Indeed, his uh, his legal dance card is filling up. So we've got the federal charges on the election issue, but he's also got the falsified business records case. That was to hush up an affair. He's got the mishandling of secret documents case. So So these are all going to have to be scheduled. And right now for the election case, the pretrial hearing is set for August 28th. The timing is going to be very tight. They need to get a trial date set early to mid-24 because anything later than that becomes very problematic. You don't want it too close to the election or even beyond it. His team, of course, would love to go beyond it. Mm. All right, let's talk about the judge in the middle of all of this, Tanya Chutkin. So President uh, Trump's team is asking for her to step aside to get a fair trial. What mm-hmm. what do we know about the judge? So Judge Chutkin was nominated by President Obama, and she has been the judge for a number of the January 6th rioters, and she has been very tough on them. She has given some of them sentences longer than even the Justice Department was asking for. And with respect to Trump himself, she had a case before her about one of the Congressional Committee subpoenas. She rejected his lawyer's arguments, memorably saying, presidents are not kings and you are not president. So defense's perception is she's not going to roll over and they have asked her to recuse herself or they they say that they will ask her to recuse herself, although they haven't really given any specific grounds about what would be the rationale for that. I don't know, is it me or is it a good idea to be a lawyer right now? Can earn some money from this by the hour. <laughs> Trisha, can the case be taken out of Washington? Because state by state in the U.S., this also it can be in favor, you know, anyone who's mm-hmm. familiar with the, with the legal system there. So the former president's legal team really would like it to be moved to West Virginia. Uh They claim that given the makeup of a jury pool in Washington, uh, that's a city that voted 95 percent for Biden. So they're saying if if it stays in Washington, he won't get a fair trial. They want to see what they say is neutral West Virginia. Of course, that's a state that voted 70 percent for Trump. So it's kind of not that neutral. It's theoretically possible to move it, but not very likely. His team would have to prove that he could not get an impartial jury. And, you know, wanting a friendly jury, that's not grounds to move. All right, let's talk about former Vice President Mike Pence. What are his plans, though? Will, will he be testifying against his former boss? 
We assume so. So we have some idea about what Mike, Tem- what Mike Pence testified to, the, to Jack Smith, the prosecutor. And a lot of Smith's cases built on what Pence said and his contemporaneous notes. So you might remember that Pence ignored, like a lot of people did, uh, the subpoena from the Congressional January 6th committee hearings. But in a criminal trial, you can't just ignore a subpoena. You have to show up. And yeah. Pence testified that he told Trump that as vice president, he had no constitutional authority to reject or return votes to the states, Mm -hmm. and he could not stop Biden from being certified. And that's what Trump was pressuring him to do. And according to his notes at the time, uh, to Pence's notes at the time, Trump said, Mike, you're too honest. Mm -hmm. Trisha, here's a wild idea. Mike Pence has kind of been distancing himself from Trump. What about Mike Pence as a Republican presidential candidate? (laughs) Well, you know, he has been fundraising off this too honest comment, and he's positioning himself as the defender of the Constitution. But, you know, I think this is not going to buy him a lot. He's polling at 3% in the crowded Republican race. Um, This is what's known as a Hail Mary. Look, he's considered a traitor by the Trump people, so he's lost them. Credibly, he can't run as a Washington outsider. He was Trump's vice president, and he's too conservative to appeal to the important independent and suburban women vote. So, I mean, I think it's nice he's doing the right thing and telling the truth. But as a candidate, I don't see a lot of sort of forward paths for him. Okay. All right. Let's switch gears here, uh, Tricia. Let's talk about the Korea-U.S.-Japan Trilateral Summit at Camp David. This is scheduled for August 18th. This is the first time the leaders of these three nations are gathering specifically for for this kind of trilateral summit. Also the first time for for President Biden inviting foreign leaders to this location, Camp David, since taking office in 2021. What is the symbolism behind all of this? I think this is really quite symbolic. This is, you know, this is the first time that he's invited foreign leaders to Camp David. But as president, he has used it quite a bit. It's maybe 50 miles outside of Washington. He's used it quite a bit as a weekend retreat for his family and his aides. So the prime ministers of Japan and South Korea are really being invited into a very private, intimate family space in a way that's away from the glare of the media. So maybe they can get things done. And of course, Camp David is famous for past summits where there have been diplomatic breakthroughs like the Israeli-Egyptian peace um, treaty that happened during the Carter administration. And we call those the Camp David Accords. Mm, Any any thoughts on the role the U.S. can play uh, as far as uh, Korea-Japan relationships are concerned? Yeah, I mean, this has been an issue for the U.S. They are quite keen, I think, to see more cooperation across the three countries. South Korea and and Japan are two of the U.S.'s most important allies, and the fact that those two countries have not gotten along that well has been a weak spot, I think, for U.S. strategy in the Indo-Pacific. So so I think that, you know, pushing a a stronger trilateral relationship would certainly be major, in addition to the other sorts of agreements that they've made across, that the Biden administration has made across Asia, like the Quad with Australia, India, and Japan, or AUKUS, you know, the trilateral agreement between U.S., U.K., and Australia. All right, Tricia, let's have some fun. Uh, (laughs) We always do, but, uh, you know, away from politics and all of that, let's talk about corporate America. Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg's cage (laughs) battle. Which side are you on? (laughs) Um, Well, both who I think would win and whose side I guess I would be on is Mark Zuckerberg. Look, he's he's in his 30s. He's he's really ripped. He's had a lot of training in Asian martial arts. We've seen pictures of Elon Musk. He's not he's not that fit. But you know, I think it's it's really kind of beneath the dignity of corporate America for them to be going for this. On the other hand, I think you know, it were on pay per view, they would clean up the two of them. You know, I don't like this. 
just because Elon Musk is old. Every time I go for my boxing fights, I'm mm-hmm. always not a favorite because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping Trisha would say men are just stupid by doing these sort of things. Then I'll say it. <laughs> oh, but you know, I think it's 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 hard to say, but it, it's like a distraction for everything that's probably more important out there to deal actually, with. Actually, it's quite good marketing because both sides come out winners if you think about it, Trisha. Of course. Well, and apparently, you know, if they do it, they'll do it for charity, which you know has some redeeming value. But I, but I still, but I still think I, I do still think it's like two adolescent, you know, guys who are far past their adolescent stage to be doing this. That that is a comment that's gold. Thank you so much for that, Trisha Craig, <laughs> Vice President Engagement and Senior Lecturer of Social Sciences, Sociology and Political Science at Yale and U.S. College. Uh, thank you again for your time. Take care and have a great Monday evening. Great. Have a great week, you guys. Bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.